0: As jan you know, always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job, but it's part of me. Janis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January. Uh, yeah. I remember! <laughs> so Gisli Valtarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the EuroTrip.
1: Thank you very much, and thank you for the EuroTrip. I've been listening to you. Being face-to-face,
0: yeah, it's awesome. I was going to say, your beautiful face. (laughs) I was like, But it is beautiful as well, though. We were talking on the phone. Yes. Do you want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there. My name is Martin Österdal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to EuroTrip. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. It's me, Rob here, hope you're doing okay, and I'm here with a bonus episode of the podcast. You know how much we love a bonus episode of the Eurotrip, especially when we are just a few days away... From our live episodes coming from liverpool the host city of this year's eurovision song contest just a couple of days to wait until those episodes kick off from liverpool don't forget we are dropping daily episodes so make sure you stay tuned for those and subscribe so you don't miss any but today on the bonus episode of the podcast we are celebrating the career of a legend of the eurovision song contest His name is Peter Urban. He is Germany's commentator at the Eurovision Song Contest, a role he has been doing since 1997. In that time, he's only missed one edition of the contest, I think. I think that was back in 2009. He returned to the commentary box in 2010 when Germany won the contest, of course, in Oslo. Well, Liverpool is his final commentary on the contest. It'll be his 25th time doing so and he's going out in style. So we thought when better to get him on the podcast and hear all about his incredible memories from over two decades in the Eurovision commentary box. We're going to hear all about his first commentary in Dublin and how how his first words were lost, shall we say. You'll find out more about that later on. We will also hear about his favourite Eurovision songs in the time covering the contest and also what it's like to commentate on a Eurovision winner as we look back on Lena's win in Oslo. And we'll also talk about Germany's place in the Eurovision world right now. But let's get straight to it. Here is my chat with Peter Urban, German legend of the Eurovision Song Contest. Peter Urban, German Euro.
2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
0: Eurovision legend welcome to the euro trip hi rob thanks for having me peter we are speaking on the eve of this year's eurovision song contest of course taking place in liverpool But Peter, it is a very special Eurovision for you because it is your final Eurovision commentary after 25 Eurovisions, 25 past editions you have been commentating on the Eurovision Song Contest. How are you feeling as we approach what will be your your final Eurovision in the commentary box?
1: Well, a lot of sadness, actually, because it's been part of my life for 25 years. So uh, it, it is quite difficult, I must say, but I was so looking forward to being on the scene again because the past two Eurovisions I, I did at home in the studio because of the pandemic. So uh, it's, it was so great to go back to Liverpool again and see all the people, see the other commentators and and be there and see a hall, see people. I mean, it's brilliant. and And I'm going to miss it, I'm sure.
0: There must be some people that you are really looking forward to seeing again, to catching up with, whether it be in that commentator's briefing or, or just out and about, you know. Yeah. Who who are the names, I suppose, that you've seen time and time again?
1: I mean, Marty Whelan, I mean, the Irish commentator, is a good friend of mine. And unfortunately, Andy Knoll, who is the Austrian commentator, he won't be here because he's he's now hosting uh well what what you could call come dancing in Austria so he's really promoted to some <laughs> to be a big <laughs> TV personality uh, and he's busy with that with the final and he he'll come he'll be commentating from from Vienna which is which is sad because I wanted to see him again and Edward from Sweden and all the others there' it's great to see them
0: now there are so many things that I want to talk to you about, so many memories I want to get into. but Peter, if we if we start by by going kind of way back, and I was reading about you before I uh, before I popped on here to have this chat with you, and am I right in thinking that there was a time when you were a teacher here in the UK?
1: I was studying to be a teacher and and as part of the studies, I spent a year in Wallingford in Berkshire now it's oxfordshire but they changed the, <laughs> the county and and Bar- uh, it was wallingford berkshire and i was an assistant teacher at the grammar school and uh, but that was a great year i was just 21 and i was uh, in this in this area and there were so many musicians living in that area and i, I, I happened to meet in the pub uh, members of traffic the the band of stevie stevie winwood's band And I became friendly with Chris Wood, the saxophone player of Traffic. And uh, Joe Cocker lived there in the area. It was uh, near Henley, where other musicians lived. Uh, Jimmy Page lived down in Pangborn. So so it was a a very musical area. And it was a beautiful area. It was a great year. On weekends, I always used to to drive to London and see lots of events, concerts at, at the Royal Albert Hall, little private concerts at the Speakeasy Club, which was a musician's club, which I could get entry as a foreign student. I could get in. Otherwise, you would have to be a member. Uh, so so I, I saw Elton John when nobody knew him. I saw Eric Clapton and George Harrison playing with Delaney and Bonnie at the club and other people playing there. And uh, I also went to these so-called underground clubs like Middle Earth, which were were leg- were a legend at that time. Well, now they are a legend. At that time, they were just normal. And I, I popped down as a as a student, uh, as a fan, to Abbey Road Studios, and 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 to to see the Beatles enter the studios and had a little talk and small talks with that. And all this uh, uh, was was part of my 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 study at university. Which was great.
0: <laughs> what What were you studying? Was it English that you were studying? Yeah, it was English language, English language and literature,
1: and uh, and history as a second uh, uh, topic. But I mean, English was the main topic. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I love that things seem to have come full circle. The fact that your final Eurovision is in Liverpool, and you've just yeah. men- you've just mentioned there seeing the Beatles go yeah. to Abbey Road Studios, it's it's almost perfect.
1: Yeah, I was. I mean, Beatles. They Beatles. Beatles t- made me come and and, and listen to. To, to pop music I was as a, as a pupil as a student at, at, at the grammar school I was I was in a jazz band I mean we were sort of a little bit arrogant about all that pop music that wasn't our thing but then I listened to it and I thought wow this is really interesting this is this is musically so fascinating and from then on I was a I was a I was in, in uh, influenced and, and infected by it uh, I I ordered newspapers from England, New Musical Express and Melody Maker to be informed all about. So they came by post, by mail every week. And I was informed about the British scene. I listened to Radio London. John Peel was my favorite. And I listened to the BBC BBC shows, which we could listen to through BFBS, the British Forces Network, which was uh, airing in our area because it was the British sown uh, after the war. And so I listened to all the BBC shows, Saturday Club and the other shows, even the Joe Loss Joe Los lunchtime show. But, I mean, you can only hear the big band of Joe Loss, but also The Who uh, and Keith Moon destroying his drums live on BBC. I mean, that's, that's what I experienced. Uh, uh, I listened to that radio because the German radio didn't have much pop music on yet so that changed when when i uh, i became I moved to Hamburg I got to know people from NDR the the, the public radio station in, in northern Germany and I started be- becoming a radio Dj then still as a student i I, I went up from my students' place to to the to the radio broadcasting house and did my shows and yeah, so that became a profession. I mean, the, the, uh, I was a fan and then it turned to be uh, not only a hobby, but part of my life and a profession.
0: How, how did you make that leap to, to becoming a, a broadcaster and becoming a, a radio presenter? Because, you know, we've already mentioned you were studying English at yeah. university. You were a lover of music and you were, you know, fully embracing everything about music, especially, mm-hmm. especially the scene over in the UK. But, you know, what was it that meant that you could make that leap to becoming a, a yeah. host?
1: That was that was that was poor chance, really, because uh, well, I, I I wrote a letter because uh, I listened to one show by by uh, the best presenter on on on, on North German radio, uh, and I, I criticized something he said. I thought I said this is not really right. I think it's it's like this, and I wrote it, and I thought well he would never answer, but he answered. And we met and we became friends and I appeared on his shows. And when he he was responsible as a producer also for a a lunchtime, an afternoon uh, pop music show called Music for Young People, Musik für junge Leute. And I... Uh, when he needed uh, a dj to do the show live and i I was his first choice and so i started doing this and uh, also he made the connection to to tv because uh, ndr tv did a a long documentary about pop culture and young people and i was one of the authors and the interview I, I i did the english interviews and we went to england to london for for, uh, for, for to shoot shoot interviews and shots with uh, people like uh, uh, John Peel, also we interviewed, and, and Maggie Bell from Stone the Crows and other musicians. And also I came to, to go into Abbey Road Studios as part of this job for the TV series. And who did I meet? Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney who were just there preparing a Wings album and I was I uh, was just meeting them on the way to the canteen and I thought oh holy god and and that was a lot of these 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 uh, accidents really they weren't planned that also made made me become a, a journalist i had written for newspapers before, as a student, also for a, a German magazine called Sounds and for for a, a big paper called Die Zeit, uh, but the radio thing came through personal contact. Maybe it would have happened on an, in another uh, connection. I don't know yet, but, but this is the way it happened to me. So life is sometimes funny. I mean, it's a coincidence, and sometimes.
0: So in the in the timeline of your career yeah. what what sort of time are we talking about at the moment what um, mm-hmm. you know what years are we at yeah. at the moment
1: Yeah I finished school at 66 and I had been to London before finishing school twice already uh, I had seen as a, as a as a as a school student I had seen Jimi Hendrix in his first performance with Cream in London in October 66 and that was the time then. Then I started my studies, went to England in 1969 uh, to Wallingford in Berkshire. The radio thing started professionally in 74. And then I wrote a sort of my, my doctor's thesis about the lyrics of popular music. Uh, rolling Words, the story, uh, the poetry of rock was the title of Love the it. book then. That- End. And uh, that appeared at the end of the 70s. Uh, I've been doing. I've been doing radio. I was playing as a musician in Hamburg's clubs because uh, I had a very pretty successful band uh, playing. And uh, so that it was three things I did: a journalist, radio man, student. Four things really, and a musician. So that was the 70s, and and then in the 80s, i more. I'm more more and more concentrated on only on 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 radio that was my main profession that's where I earned my money and where I spent my time
0: and and then we have to take a, a fairly sizable leap forward obviously to to mm. the mid the mid 1990s and I suppose towards the end of yes. the 1990s when finally Eurovision comes into your professional life of course w- mm-hmm. w- was that another you know happy accident as you've kind of described yeah. many things
1: well uh uh, I'd I'd worked uh, NDR became responsible for the Eurovision in in 96 or 97 96 uh, because uh, Germany Germany has a federal system also of broadcasting so we have the Bavarian broadcasting west german north german etc so we became then uh, the responsible for it and the guy in charge I'd worked with him at the Live Aid concert on the radio broadcast uh, on the concert for Nelson Mandela in 1988, for the TV broadcast as a commentator, so he knew me how I did my work. Uh, then he asked me, "Won't you, won't you do this?" And I, I said, "What? This is not really the type of music I've been, I've been uh, 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 talking and writing about." But I'd been a Eurovision fan early on. I mean, in '65, I remember France Gall. To a brilliant song, and others I'd, I'd really enjoyed, and I always liked the the competition. I mean, this surprising effect of of, uh, of a Eurovision contest where you never know who who's going to win, and and I'd always loved sports. I was I'm a sports fanatic. And I, I really uh, thought, hey, this is a great chance at last to be a sports reporter, and 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 re- and comment and report about a thing that is as 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 as, as thrilling uh, and dramatic as a football like a football match. So uh, I said, yes, I'll do it. And from then on, I never looked back because uh, at that time, uh, when I first started, Katrina and the Waves won the contest in Dublin and i thought well there's a rock act who sang a ballad but still uh, music became far more interesting and more, far more diverse and and other styles and and it's not not the clichés of eurovision uh, were successful but new things were successful and it was a great period to be part of because uh, i always like to love and comment with a little irony not as uh, not as strong as terry my old friend terry wogan uh, uh, who I, I met a lot of times of course because he was in the same and the booth next door for example and the bailey bottles and the champagne bottles were brought up and he was in good spirits and i did it i did it, it i didn't it as sarcastic and uh, satirical like he did but i did it i did it with a little irony but also with a lot of love for good music and 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 that's sort of I, People loved it, liked the way I did it, and and uh, so I've been doing this for the past twenty five years. T-
0: take us into the into the commentary box, I suppose, for that very first contest yeah. that you commented on back in nineteen ninety seven. Of course, you were in Dublin in Ireland. Yeah. Of course, you know how how many memories do you have of that first event? Turning up at Eurovision for the very first time, Peter. What was that? Very
1: like? vivid, very vivid, because I was sort of a novice uh, a, a bit naive also but my first event in dublin uh, my first words uh, uh, on air uh, i started doing them and then the door opened and two policemen came in and a, a, a search dog searched everywhere in the hall and also our cabins so this dog was was between my legs under the table and and i was just had just started talking and i was so i've kept on talking kept on talking and uh, uh my first words and later i learned that the tone the tone man uh the sound man in germany back there he hadn't opened the lines yet he had he had forgotten to open my line so my first words on 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 television uh, about the eurovision were lost in space <laughs> so he, he sort of uh, moved me in slightly when I announced R- R- Ronan Keating who was the, the the presenter at that time and 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 so the first minute or so was completely not on air unfortunately but well, that was my first my first words on 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 television uh, and uh, also uh, it was a thrill because i mean of course no bombs were found and it was all peaceful but still it was still the time of the ira and, and some protestant protesters had, had had making this threat in dublin of course in ireland as uh, to, to to disturb the eurovision and that's my first memory
0: After everything you said about, you know, your connection with kind of UK music, it's it's, Mm -hmm. again, almost perfect (laughs) that it was the United Kingdom that won your first Eurovision, meaning that you, of course, then went, as you say, to the United Kingdom and to Birmingham in 1998. And you were then faced with something completely different because, of course, Germany sent an act and (laughs) an entry that had so much press coverage that year. So this is Guido Horn, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Gilderhorn was, was so crazy, because <clears throat> before it was the Eurovision in Germany, it was sort of always ruled by uh, entries of Ralf Siegel in the very traditional Eurovision way. Or as, as 1997, it was uh, a, a song by Ralf Siegel, but then there was sort of a revolution. In ninety eight. it was this crazy long-haired guy who jumped about the stage, I mean, the song wasn't that important, it wasn't that good, but, but his appearance, his performance was, was amazing. And people in England, British people loved it. And uh, he jumped into the audience. He touched people. He climbed up up sort of a, sea, a, a, a railing, a relay, a railing, and it was it was really amazing. Lots of journalists, journalists from Germany, because in Germany he was Gilder was quite a big thing. And and at last I had a, a, a I had we had so much reception. Also we had an incredible uh, uh, amount of viewers. I mean for this this event far more double double of the the one the last year. So that was uh, the start of a new time, a new period really, a new era. And from then on also we had artists like Stefan Raab appearing in Stockholm. And uh, we had weak ones, of course, in the years then. Uh, uh, then it got a little bit better, but never better until Lena won at least, at last in, t- in 2010.
0: I, I want to ask you about Stefan Raab yeah. and about, and about yeah. Lena as well, of course, because those two have been very heavily involved in your time as, as the commentator for, uh, yeah. for Germany at the contest. Um, if we fast forward ever so slightly, I know one song that you have previously said, you know, was one that you were delighted won Eurovision because it was so different and you enjoyed, was Turkey, I think, it was Sertar back in 2003. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was very amazing. I thought it was nice to go to the Baltic countries and, and also uh, uh, Terry Wogan's comment was so funny, because when, when Estonia won in, in, in Copenhagen in 2001, uh, Terry was next to me in the box and he came out and he said, where are we going next year? Estonia? Tallinn? Where is that? Do they have hotels there? <laughs> that, that was his worry because no, yeah, they did have hotels and it was a quite quite a, quite a nice decent uh, Eurovision in Tallinn and then the year after it was in Riga and in Riga Turkey won and that was such a triumph for them because it was a woman singing in English about, about the needs of women and that was, that was very, very difficult for a lot of Turkish men. but after her win-up, she was a national hero. I mean, she was, at that time, Turkey was still more liberal than it is now. And actually, I'm very sad that Turkey doesn't uh, um, take part anymore because Turkish entries always were musically very interesting. Also, they had a great rock band later called Athena. They were really brilliant. I mean, they had great entries and now sort of they're they're not there, and I'm very sad about
0: this. You mentioned the the Soteri, uh, story there about yeah. about Estonia when they won the contest. You mentioned your relationship with Soteri. You know you you would have seen, you would see each other at, at Eurovisions year after year after year. Yeah. What what did you make of I suppose the way in which he was broadcasting in his very unique way for the UK, and and do you think the UK suffered slightly as a result? Yeah, sure. Because
1: I think he developed the event to a sort of a comic event, a comedy event. Uh, And so the UK didn't take this thing really seriously. And you also also notice the people responsible at the BBC for selecting the entries. And uh, they didn't have a good hand because they didn't seem to be near to the musical development pop music development in England. I mean, the talents are on the street in England. I mean, you have so good, inter- interesting, uh, good uh, 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 and, and very successful pop music, and it should have been possible to to select an entry that sort of would not come last or second to last. And that happened. So uh, I always was very disappointed with the English entries. Uh, as I was with the Germans uh, a lot of times, but uh, the things have gotten better now. I mean, at last they have realized we take an agency that picks a, a great song and a great singer, like last year, Sam Ryder, brilliant, and we come second. And this year again, May Muller, that's a very good song and a good dancing song and a good singer. So, I mean, they will they will do very well, I think, this year again. So, I think it might have been due to Terry Wogan's sort of a, a, a approach to to the whole event. Uh, since Graham Norton has has entered, it's still funny and entertaining, but sort of not not taking the Mickey out of it all the time.
0: We have to; it's impossible to talk about your history with Eurovision without talking about what I assume is your most memorable most enjoyable moment. I mean, feel free to tell me if I'm wrong and there are others, but but 2010, of course. Germany finally win the Eurovision Song Contest, finally win the Eurovision Song Contest again after all those years. Of course, Nicole having been the last winner before that point. Going into 2010, did you know that this could be the year?
1: No. No, I, I never thought about this. I thought she was great, and when I looked at the other contestants, I thought, well, she she may have a chance, but I never I never thought she could really win. Uh, but I maybe I was too defensive in the thinking because uh, it was obvious that the interest from other countries was was big. I mean, my colleagues, my con- other commentators asked me, or all, all of them asked me, "Hey, who is this? What is she? She's I think she's a student. She just just finished." She did her whatever levels, A levels, uh, and uh, she's not a professional, and she just stands there and, and and really shines and has incredible charisma, and and then I also noticed the the, the norwegian Norwich newspapers had her on the on the front page and all this, and journalists were asking from other countries. I could have realized that 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 was uh, the time when when we could really have a chance, but I tended to not think about it. So, uh, yeah, I was pleased to do this, and uh, it was incredible, this experience of of really celebrating the win. Deutschland ist Gewinner. Deutschland ist Sieger des Eurovision Song Contest 2010 mit 246 Punkten. The other thing was, I had to have an interview with her on stage after the show, that, which also the winner's commentator has to interview the winner. Mm-hmm. So I had to rush from, it was a football stadium, from our cabins, about what, 300 yards, at least more, down the steps and stairs, through the people, up to the stage. And I was not in a big, in, in a good form, because in a good shape, because I had been operated the year before and I was still walking very, very, uh, it was very difficult for me to walk and I couldn't run. So I was out of breath. I had no condition really to do this. I was out of breath on stage and and Lena was so nice, and she said, "Peter, uh, keep keep calm, just quiet down, and then we'll do the interview." She was so sweet because I mean, she was the one who should have been nervous, and but she was taking this all very cool. I mean, she was she was uh, uh, enthusiastic, but still taking it well with, with a smile, with a laughter. I mean, and she has developed her career into uh, she's still very very successful. And, and very cautious I mean not to overdo what she's doing she she did, does every few years she does an album she appears and she's on on, on, on on instagram she was at one time one of the main influences on German instagram but but now she's sort of uh, she's had a baby and she thought sort that of she she withdraws herself which i think is great she also at that time she never talked to the big tableau it's because these tabloids didn't treat, treat her well she they'd ask about her father who had left the family when she was a little baby or a kid and all these things you know the tabloids wanted to know the tabloids wanted to know of course and she just did not she doesn't plead she didn't please them and i thought that was great that was a very big strength for a, for a young girl of 19 and and that was great and that kept her she's kept this, this attitude and she's doing very well yeah
0: I remember just after presumably you will have done that interview with Lena in, in 2010 on the stage, then there was the press yeah. conference. Yeah. And, uh, and Stefan Raab, I think it was surprised everybody by saying, well, Lena is going to represent us again next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it was his, th- his decision. I mean, he probably didn't talk to anybody before that. And then Lena just couldn't, couldn't do anything else and just said, yes, okay, I will do it. <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, later maybe she thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. But, I mean, it wasn't that bad. It was 10th, I think, in Dusseldorf. I think, yeah, on, on place number eight was she was 10th. And the song was different. But at that time I thought, why is she doing this? Because Because she might lose a lot of that aura. Of, of being a winner. I mean, it, you take a risk of a thing like this. But but I mean, it, it it came out well, so so everything's fine. But later, she said in an interview, years later, maybe I shouldn't have done that.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: And about Stefan Raab. Stefan Raab, remind me, was he the songwriter in, in 2010 for Lena? No. Uh, the funny thing is,
1: in the, in the, in the pre-selection, uh, the public had to vote which, for which song she should sing. And uh, the favourite was, uh, was one that was written by Stefan Raab as a producer. Uh, he was very keen on writing the song, of course. So, but the public selected another one. Uh, because his song was more like the typical funk funk number. He he, he writes very soulish funky numbers like his What uh, Are That's a typical Stefan Rab number. But that 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 type of style it doesn't really fit Lena. So the public sort of feel, felt that. And, and selected this wavy song Satellite, which she sang much better, It was the much better entry for her. Yeah, no, she didn't write it, he didn't write it, but he was sort of still responsible for that casting show, for this uh, pre-selection idea, and uh, so he was involved also in 2004 for a guy called Max with a brilliant song, but that, was written by Stefan Raab, who, who they that ended up on place eight, I think, in Istanbul. Yeah,
0: yeah, mu- much like yourself, you don't have to go far before Stefan Raab comes up when you're talking about <laughs> Germany and the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, I was going to say it must be must be pretty strange next year. You know, Eurovision yeah. 2024. it will be the first Eurovision you've watched at home for a long time.
1: Yeah, very odd, very strange, <laughs> and and I hope I like the new guy who's doing it or the new girl. Because otherwise, I would have to to take another sound <laughs> without the commentary. <laughs> well, I hope I hope it's okay.
0: <laughs> well, a, t- a tough act for them to follow after all this time, definitely. Yeah, Peter, are there you know some moments that really do stay with you? When
1: when Salvador Sobral won in 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 Kiev with this incredible song, which was not completely the opposite what was connected or associated associated with eurovision. It was this quiet jazzy song i was i was I was so enthusiastic about it. I liked it so much, and I also I loved Moniskin. I mean that that threw me apart. I mean this performance was so so vibrant so 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 full of energy. I loved that and and there are very very many memories I always see the Eurovision as a big, incredible event apart from the, the fact how Germany ends up or not. When they're good and when, like Michael Schulte comes, uh, is fourth in Lisbon, I love it, of course. But I mean, it doesn't tear me down when Germany is sort of second to last or last. I mean, what can I do? I, I didn't select the song. I didn't select the singer. It was the German selection. So, I mean, we have to accept this, and maybe we can do better next year, but but I still enjoy the Eurovision as this incredible one-time in-the-world-only event. I mean, there's nothing else in the world like Eurovision Song Contest, and uh, uh, watched by 200 million people, and uh, I I have so great memories, even even when Conchita won. I mean, this performance was incredible, and I like the second-place entry from Netherlands as well. I mean, uh, Common Limits calm after the storm is one of my personal favorites as is uh, uh, Latvia's brainstorm a band in 2000 it was 2000 my star what a great song by a, a rock band from latvia i mean that's only on eurovision where you can experience things things like this how would i hear a rock band from latvia otherwise i wouldn't have a chance so so i love a lot of this a lot a lot of surprises when things move me on stage, I, I like this this moment. I like to be moved, uh, and I like sometimes if it's funny, I, I, I like to laugh about it. But uh, I love the musical diversity that has been uh, obvious on the in the Eurovision in the past years, and I hope it comes back because this year I think it's not as diverse and interesting musically as in the years before. But uh, well, it will be on this way, and it will be. A very, very vivid and very lively event in the years to come, I'm very sure.
0: Quick question from me. What's the favourite place? What's the favourite place you've been to cover Eurovision?
1: Oh, very good question.
0: Uh, I loved Vienna,
1: but well, that's a great city. And, and, and the event was strange because in a very old hall, uh, very cosy, but in a way. So I like that. Stockholm is a brilliant city and the globen is i think my favorite hall uh, arena to to be in and to sit there in the in the in the lounges in the boxes up there and and look at this hall and this is this is a brilliant place i mean Stockholm was really i think my favorite of all time that would be it here
0: yeah. where do you leave germany in Eurovision? Where do you leave Germany's relationship with Eurovision? Of course, this is your final year in the commentary box. But, yeah. but, but, but how, how are German people seeing Eurovision? And, and what did Germany need to do to improve those fortunes? Yeah,
1: because in the past years, of course, due to the bad results, I mean, in Germany, due to the press, and also a lot of comments by the public, uh, sort of the standing of Eurovision have suffered. Uh, I would think so. So it was also my job to keep it up in the ba- in the in the in the in the bad times through uh, keep it make it make it survive really also, and I've always that's what I've I've tried to to do in my commentary. But. Uh, and just now, I think it's in a in a good moment because we selected a song that's completely different from the ones in the years before. It's not an average mainstream pop song, because it, but it's a metal hard rock performance by a very spectacular band. So this is great, and I think it's also great that the public voted for it. It wasn't selected by uh, by a pre-selection team Uh, it was uh, it was a a foreign journey a a foreign jury and the public that voted for it and I think that's a very good development and uh, it it is courageous unusual and special uh, songs and entries that's the way you can have success you can't have success with a with a, a, a mainstream number that's maybe played on the radio, that doesn't that is not enough. and must it must move people and it must get into the top ten at every voting. That's what people forget that when you're eleventh or twelfth or thirteenth in every voting by a jury or, or the public, then you don't have zero points and and that's the, the thing. You have to have something which people remember. Which when the then when the the pre the recap comes then people say oh yeah 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 I want to vote for this if it runs through and you don't remember it uh, you have no chance and maybe this attitude in Germany the interest is very big this year and I hope they're not disappointed this 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 big interest is not disappointed by a sort of an not a well a median or less than medium result I hope that's therefore for my last Uh, bye-bye I have uh, uh, to uh, not to comment on a last place or a a second to last place but on a pretty good place so we can we I can go out with an optimistic view which I always have but maybe I can transpose it and communicate that to the public
0: we'll finish in a moment with as you said that that that, that bye-bye but of course, I have to ask you about 2023. You said that you don't think the variety, I suppose, is is quite there yeah. this year, but are the songs this year that you are really enjoying? Is there anyone that you're particularly looking forward to see take to that stage in Liverpool when you're there?
1: <laughs> I, love, I love Spain's entry, Paloma Blanca, because it's this mixture of flamenco and Spanish traditional music with modern electronic beats. And that's very interesting. Like their big artist, Rosalía, does very successfully on the worldwide stage, yeah, that's that's interesting. Austria, I find very interesting. With, but they have to come through the semi-final, and that's very that's the most difficult part to get into the final in the semi-finals. Due to the new ruling, only the the countries, the public of the semi-final countries can vote. And it makes it even more difficult, no juries in the semifinals. So I don't know, I, I wish they can reach the final. I think the Dutch entry is very interesting, very good one. Uh, obvious, of course, the Finnish entry, which that's not my personal favorite, but that is gonna be very successful. Although the guy sings about drinking all the time. He sings, if you, if you listen to the lyrics, and it's Finnish, of course, but if you try, translate it and it's, it's a, a praise to drink, to alcohol and alcohol and alcohol, the drug, the Finnish main drug, of, obviously. So, so that's it. Well, that's, well, that will be high up. I like Fre- the, Fra- the French entry. I think it's very, very typical, but very, very charisma- charismatic. Yeah, that's the ones I, I think they're doing well in Britain, UK, very good number so but maybe not the big diversity like last year we had this incredible serbian entry that was uh, that was an amazing uh, entry from serbia last year or uh, yeah I'm, I'm, maybe but on stage at on on the liverpool stage maybe we'll uh, see a surprise months maybe the diversity will be there even more uh, but watching the videos i have this impression
0: that's the thing about Eurovision, isn't it? Expect the unexpected, and that's why yeah. we, that's why we that's all love what it is. That's what we love, yeah. So, Peter, that that final moment then—the the broadcast is coming to an end on Saturday night. Whoever it is that has just won the Eurovision Song Contest yeah. is is about to take to the stage to perform one more time. Germany have finished. Wherever Germany have finished, we'll, we'll wait and find out. What what are you going to say? <sighs> Well, of course, I I'll, I'll
1: thank the people. I thank for their for their for their lo- loyalty in the past twenty five years, and maybe I express my 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 feelings that I'm I'm sad, but I'm still grateful for their for their for all these years. And I uh, I'll say just a decent bye bye. In the Eurovision, you, you never have time for long speeches. I mean, it's going on, it's moving. The show is moving, and as a commentator. You're not the main person, but you you talk on the side. But but still, I would say I'd say how I feel uh, that I'm sad, of course, but I'm looking forward to the future of Eurovision, which is going to be great, I think.
0: What a perfect place to finish, Peter. Thank you very much for joining us on the Euro trip, and all the best for that final Eurovision commentary. And thank yeah. you for being here.
1: Thank you, Rob, and uh, hope to see you in Liverpool.
2: Like what you're hearing. Make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening.
0: This is the Euro Trip, and thank you for staying with us for that feature-length interview with Peter Urban, Germany's Eurovision commentator for well over two decades now, as he says farewell to the Eurovision Song Contest. It was a delight to sit down with Peter. So many incredible stories there. Who would have thought his favourite song? From the eurovision the winner of eurovision 2003 Sirtab from turkey loved hearing that also how he first started getting that job on german radio how he kicked off life as a teacher or a teaching assistant here in the united kingdom how he used to go and see all of those incredible legendary bands and artists in london when he was living here and also everything in between Guido Horn of course in Birmingham in 1998 his memories of that and really interesting to hear his thoughts on his friend Sir Terry Wogan and the influence he had on Eurovision in the United Kingdom but also how Peter really really hopes that Germany can deliver him a good result at the Eurovision Song Contest in Liverpool this year with Lord of the Lost. I really hope that they do i hope peter goes out in style i hope germany doing proud because he deserves it he has been an absolute icon of eurovision for so long now and he deserves a fitting farewell please do let me know what you thought of the podcast today you can get in touch at Eurotrip podcast on twitter and instagram we are hello at your on the email and we're also on tiktok as well so make sure you go and check us out on there You're going to want to because there's going to be a whole lot more content coming your way over the next few days. A reminder, daily episodes from Liverpool kick off on Monday. So that first episode will be with you on Monday and then we're going to have an episode for you every single day between Monday and the Grand Final on Saturday from Liverpool. It is going to be a joy and I hope you can join us. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and a review. Make sure you subscribe as well. And I'll see you next time. We will be in Liverpool in just a few days and I cannot wait. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.